This is White Sox Weekly. It's a little sting, um, but you know what? I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm sure the guys, sure the guys are happy. You know, um, they got the, you know they got a small sample of it. You know, man, this is what it's about. You know, uh, competing and competing at a high level. You know, we competed today. We competed at a high level. We fought. You know, we just came up short, but that's okay. It's okay. We just got to keep going and, uh, you know, keep rambling as a team. How do I say goodbye? And that one is driven in the air to deep left field. Robert cast the bat aside, and this one is gone way out of there. Base hit up the middle in the center field. Rounding third on his way to the plate is McCann. He is going to score. Mazzara in the air, left center field. That's down for a base hit all the way to the wall. Robert's going to score easily. Pulling in a second is Mazzara. Well, it's just the start of something. You know, I think it was a good, you know, uh, for us to get in. You know, guys got a taste of it. You know, I think it's just going to make them more hungry to, uh, you know, to get back there. Ground ball to the right side. That is going to sneak through into right field, a base hit. Here comes Moncada to score. He's tied the game. No more Mazzara. Coming through with his second run batted in. We battled today. You know, I couldn't be more happy and proud of, you know, the way we fought. And uh, I know that we gave our all. You know, it's just a tough one to swallow, but we got to keep going. You know, it's just the start of something that, you know, that could be great. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Pitch to Mazzara. Strike three called. Game over. A tremendous season comes to an end. 6-4 is the final. Here's Mark Carmen. Oh, I don't know if I can do the show with a mad open. I'm verklempt. Great job, Ernie Scadden. Great job, everybody. What a season. Hard not to feel disappointed right now, though. Good afternoon. Welcome to White Sox Weekly with you till 6, and then we'll have some Sports Central for you until 7. A lot going on. Bears game being moved. Cubs got eliminated. Uh, but, of course, we got a bunch of White Sox talk for you here. 312-981-7200. Here's the good news. 180 days until opening day 2021. 180. Just did the math. April 1st, seven-game West Coast trip. Playing the Los Angeles Angels. Then they go to Seattle. Sox opening up against the Angels for the first time since 1993. I'd almost rather talk about the opener than really the way the season came to an end. Great season. I think we all agree. Huge step in the right direction. A lot of guys to celebrate. Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, James McCann. Long list. Players that you're excited about, fingers crossed, Garrett Crochet's going to just have a minor, minor injury and will be good to go in 2021. Expect that Dane Dunning will take a positive step. Expect that Dylan Cease will take a positive step. White Sox should be busy in the offseason as well. Yoan Moncada, you hope he comes back and plays big next year. Little dicey on that one. I mean, the talent is enormous. MVP-level talent, I think we all see. Uh, but we don't know the effects of the coronavirus and what that looks like long term. So that's, I guess, something we will figure out over the course of time. You know, you go around the diamond and Moncada and Anderson. I mean, Tim, how about Tim Anderson? Every one of those comments, you just lost, the season's over, and he's just going to go positive. Great experience. It's just the beginning. You are not going to get Tim Anderson down. No reason for it, right? Uh, 
gave it our all, head held high, and looking ahead already. That's not that easy to do. Your season just came to an end. You put a lot into it. Going up there and speaking to the media and being positive, that's a professional right there. It just shows you his mindset. And Tim, by the way, you know he was three for his last 33 at the end of the season. Three for 33 is a significant slump, and he looked terrible. Out in front, just didn't look like himself. And I'm like, whoa, clearly maybe pressing, trying to get another batting title or just helping the White Sox get a win down the stretch. I mean, it was a rough, rough last part of the season. But then he gets into the playoffs and he goes 9 for 14 and becomes the first player in baseball history to have nine hits in his first three postseason games. Just turned it on. Apparently, James Feagan had a great piece in The Athletic about how Tim, in between the Sunday final day where the Sox lost to the Cubs after being down 10-1, got it to 10-8, and then Anderson just worked his tail off on that Monday to get himself back in rhythm, and he was able to do it. That ain't easy to do. Hey, I've got one day to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Let's make a couple of tweaks here. I know what I got to do to get it right, but let me first off create the time that I'm going to do this. I'm going to work it through, and then I'm going to and then I'm going to feel like, by the way, that I'm ready to go and perform in the playoffs under the biggest pressure that he's ever performed in in his career. Super, super impressive. Just dropping hits all over the place. But it's tough when you look back. I mean, look, you lost 11 of your final 15 games. You had the best record in baseball. You had a one nothing lead in the series. You had a lead in Game 3. So I don't know how you don't feel just a little bit of what could have been right now. Just a little. Maybe a lot, actually. I'd like to take the temperature of, of you... You die hard or casual or whatever, White Sox fan, 312-981-7200. Adam Hogue is going to start off the show with us um, in about three minutes. So we'll do Adam, and then we'll get some calls in here. And, yes, I have a plan for the future that we will get to. A lot to delve into today all the way till 6 o'clock. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, will be with us as well. And we're efforting some more uh, White Sox action. So it could be a guest-heavy show at some point here, but there is room for some calls. would love to talk to you. Uh, and Sox fans, the future is bright, as we're saying, and we're just getting started. Reserve your spot to see us live in 2021. Let's talk ticket, group, outings, and more. Call or text Sox text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. Quick timeout. Adam Hogue next on 720 WGN. Yeah, man, we can't change the results of what just happened. Um, so, you know, the only thing is, you know, we just got to look forward, um, you know, continue to get better, um, you know, come with that same mindset next year. And, uh, you know, hopefully things can turn, turn in our, uh, you know, turn in our favor and uh, we continue to grow as a team, continue to get better. Back to White Sox Weekly. It's 720 WGN. A little more from Tim Anderson. That was after the ball game. Game three. What day was that? Thursday? Oh, it's all a blur. Uh, let's get Adam Hogan here, NBC Sports Chicago, WGN Radio, covering the Bears, covering the White Sox, covering it all. Adam, how are you feeling? Season's over. I need to be reminded of that. I felt I, I still can't believe we're not playing on Monday, but they're not. What? Yeah, it went, it went fast, didn't it? It did. What biggest takeaway from the season for you right now? Well, I think if we're going to talk 
the biggest takeaway. It's that a lot of good things happened um, in a season that was really unpredictable. And for a while there, we didn't even know if it would happen or if it would finish. Um, and so, you know, I think you come away with it with a lot of positives. I like, and Carm, I like to separate it in the like kind of two different conversations that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about more of the bad side in a second. Like, I think it's okay to look big picture and say, Hey, you know, this was very positive in a lot of different ways. And then also look at the last two weeks and say, uh, a lot of things went wrong that need to be addressed. But so in terms of like the, the biggest takeaway though, I mean, Luis Robert to me looks like he's going to be an absolute stud for a really, really long time. I think it was incredibly important that Lucas Giolito and Tim Anderson showed that their 2019 seasons were not a fluke at all. And both of them backed them up with very strong 2020 performances. And uh, not only did that, but also performed in the playoffs, which is huge. Cause that's a, that's a big question mark. Uh, it's a totally different spot. And Lucas Giolito and Tim Anderson both showed up in Oakland and were outstanding. So, you know, big picture wise, they built on a lot and look very strong. I'm sure I, I, I would say right now they're going to be the overwhelming favorites to win the American League Central in 2021. And I'm sure a lot of people will even have them picked to win the World Series. I was wondering when you started on that last part, are you going American League Central, you go in American League, you're going World Series, and you did a nice little solid combo. Well well done, Adam Hogue. Because, look, I, I think if it depends to me on how active they are this offseason. They, they're going to have, I would think, some money to spend. You're not going to bring back Edwin Encarnacion, right? That's $12 million right there. Colomay's coming off the books. You might need to sign him, by the way. But that's, you know, you're talking about you know, some 20-odd million dollars that's sitting around here. Uh, you do have arbitration guys and whatnot. But if you want to be a player for somebody like Trevor Bauer, which I think, you know, White Sox fans would lose their minds if the Sox signed Trevor Bauer. I'd lose my mind if the Sox signed Trevor Bauer. So I, I, I don't think that's necessarily in the cards, but maybe a Jose Quintana. It's, I would imagine it's going to be a pretty busy offseason for the White Sox. Do you expect the same? I would think so. I mean, and, but let's start with the starting pitching. I mean, this is what I wrote yesterday, kind of my biggest uh, takeaway on the other side of things, you know, of what they need to address uh, to get better. I, and I said it going into the season. I mean, my, I, I wrote a column right before the season started that said, look, Carlos Rodon, Reynaldo Lopez, and Dylan Cease are going to be the difference between, this, between whether or not this is a team that just makes the playoffs, which even in July looked very likely considering how the the playoffs were expanded. Right. Um, And and yeah, I'm saying that before the season even started, I would have, it would have been a huge disappointment if they didn't make it in my mind, but if they were going to be taken seriously as a team that was going to make a deep playoff run this year, I thought that those three pitchers, two of the three had to prove that they could be reliable Options. And when I say that, I'm not talking about Cy Young candidates. I'm talking about guys that can take the ball every fifth day and give you quality starts to give you a chance to win a game. You know, that's not a high bar for three talented prospects that were really supposed to be those. And I said two out of the three. Well, the playoffs started, and two of the three were in the bullpen, and one wasn't even on the roster. So, to me, even if they had squeaked out that crazy game on Thursday, which they had to go bullpen. The reason they had to go bullpen was because they didn't have a third starter. Right. 
And even if they had somehow squeaked that game out, which would have been great, and I think would have been something to hang your hat on coming out of the season, I just don't know how they realistically would have won the next two playoff series um, without a third starter with no off days, the way this is built this season. I just I don't know how that would have been possible. Uh, and so they got to go out and get more starters. I'd love to see Trevor Bauer in a White Sox uniform. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, you've seen them go after Manny Machado, uh, at least have conversations about Bryce Harper. I know some of that money has been allocated elsewhere, but where they're at and how close they are, I wouldn't rule it out. And like, okay, so let's let's get excited about Trevor Bauer. I love that you just dove in there and gave me more leeway to say that Bauer's possible. Because look, you've got okay, so Edwin is twelve million, Colome is ten, so now we're at twenty-two. Steve Ciszek was five point two, so let's make it five. That's twenty-seven. All right, you could, uh, in theory, uh, you know, designate for assignment Nomar Mazar. That's another five million right there. Okay, now we're at thirty-two. I think you bring Mazzara back, but let's just say you okay. We're saving money. Well, they, Go they ahead. They still need a right fielder. They do. they do. And a designated hitter. Okay, fair enough. But your your yeah. Andrew Vaughn could be your designated hitter, right? And you could sure. and you could in theory go with Leury and uh, Adam Engel in right. Not I not exactly overpowering, but you know. Uh, not necessarily terrible either. I'm at 32 here. You got James McCann. You bring it back, James McCann. I'd love to do it. But do you think they're going to? I think they'd love to. Um, I think the question should more be on the other side. If you're James McCain, do you want to go somewhere you know you're going to catch and play every day? Right. So uh, but, uh, that's, it, uh, Let's not ignore that side of it. I, I, I think they they better make a run and bring in James McCann back. He's a huge part of this team. He's uh, he's a big reason for Lucas Giolito's success, too. Don't don't negate that. I, just, I wonder if I'm James McCann. Uh, how do I, I? I would feel like after two years, I've proven myself as a guy that can be the number one catcher, and he's not the number one catcher here. Right, right. So, and I would be interested, by the way, if I was the White Sox, just towing, just just finding out anybody interested in Yasmani Grandal. I don't know if that's possible. He's making eighteen and a quarter million dollars in the middle of a pandemic. That seems like a lot of money that people might not want to take that on. But left-handed hitting catcher, they don't grow on trees. I don't know. Um, and he very, so, and okay, and by the way, you can sign him. I'm just going to have McCann off the roster because I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. So that's 37. You got Gio Gonzalez. That's now we're, now we're at 42, another four and a half million. Uh, what are you doing with Carlos Rodon? Uh, I don't know how you can rely on Carlos Rodon at this point. Right. I mean, if you're asking me personally, I move on. Okay, so now you're so you DFA Rodon. That's that's another five million. I mean, we're well over fifty million bucks here. They have money to spend. Is my point. I don't. I don't need to go all. Yeah. The way. You know, there's there should be some serious dough here, and they've got great contracts set up. I mean, you almost have money if you want to go that route, and McCann's willing to do it. You could sign Bauer and McCann if you wanted to, um, and and maybe even a, a depthful outfielder. I think the White Sox are also in a great position, Adam, because what are the economics of baseball right now? You would think that salaries would be dim- diminished, right? Well, I. I... <laughs> A lot of that's unknown at this point. Um, you know, it's what the what the trickle down effect of this season and not having fans in the stands is. I I I don't know. I don't know that the teams know at this point. Um, I th- that's a hard question to answer at this point. I do know that in a lot of sports, it seems like teams are are at least in base. I would even say in baseball, teams have been operating like. They're still moving forward, but 
I don't know. That's that's just kind of hard to answer at this point. I think I wouldn't expect a too much of a just like I, I do think over time salaries might just diminish a little bit from this fallout. I don't think that all of a sudden you'll have a team like the White Sox this close to winning a World Series just suddenly saying this offseason, oh, no, this is all we can do because of pandemic. Hey, you know, I, I um, it's obviously a different world from a couple of years ago when they made a run at Manny Machado and they were willing to offer all that money up. But, you know, Trevor Bauer to me, I just, he's obviously a great pitcher. I also think he'd be a great fit on this team. That's already a fun team that seems to be, you know, if we're going to, uh, talk about changing the game i mean bowers doing that too so i just i that's a dream scenario but i like that scenario and he was tweeting with tim there's a little bit of white Sox rapport going on i i wouldn't rule it out either uh let's let's tackle the elephant in the room what do we think is going to happen with ricky um, well, I don't. I, I think it's a fair question. This this gets to what really happened the final two weeks, which I uh, like. I said at the off the top, I think is a separate conversation from the big picture of hey, yeah, a lot of good things happened. This team's still on track in twenty twenty one and beyond. But I didn't like how things were handled once they clinched the division. Now I went on television last week and actually sort of defended it, saying, look, baseball created a situation where winning the division really doesn't matter. To me, as a baseball fan, I think it still should matter. I, I like when you have the banners up saying that you at least won the American League Central in a given year. But the reality was there wasn't much of a difference between being the 2, 3, or 7 seed in the playoffs, the way it was set up. And I actually think the Sox ended up with a pretty favorable matchup that they just didn't manage to win. Um and so was, were things managed down the stretch where the World Series mattered more than winning the division? Well, the World Series does matter more than winning the division. So maybe that's the case. But I think there's a lot to evaluate there. If you're asking me what's going to happen, I'm honest to God just guessing. But I'll be surprised if a move is made because Ricky has done a lot of good things behind the scenes to get to the White Sox to this point and – there's also the idea that this was a 60-game season in the middle of a pandemic, and the White Sox won a lot of games and took a big step forward as an organization. So I I, I think that there's at least a, a built-in excuse there. Maybe excuse isn't the right word, but reason to say, hey, maybe he deserves another year. I'm not necessarily saying I totally agree with that. I think it's worth the discussion, but that's ultimately what I would guess happens. And to be clear, look, I think everybody who's covered the White Sox and maybe even White Sox fans, although I don't, you probably don't feel it as much as people that are around the team every day, but everybody likes Ricky. And I think Ricky deserves, I don't know if deserves is the right word, but it, it, it's, it, 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 it would feel like slightly unfair of like, oh, now we're moving on. Like, wait, hold on a second. They just went to the playoffs. You had guys have had great years. He's gone through this whole deal. He got you in. And you didn't have a third starter, and it, it ended up killing you in Game Three. Uh, that obviously was the biggest reason, not the way he managed, but uh, but there was some questions, some moves that were very, very much head scratchers. Carlos Rodon at the top of it against the Indians. So, so I look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do either. Obviously, uh, but I, I'm sure there's conversations going on over there. That there has to be. Well, I would hope, like any team, you're just evaluating 
what happened. And, and, and I would just say, like, I defended Ricky a lot and throughout the season uh, and really throughout the last few years because I've, I've always said, like, I want to see this guy get a chance to manage a good team. You know, he's never had that opportunity. We haven't really seen that happen. So he got that opportunity this year. Um, and that's why I do think the last two weeks matter. I, I, I think it has to matter that you went 3-10 uh, and 10 in your final 13 games, including the playoffs, and you blew a one nothing lead in a best of three. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you fire the manager because that happened, but you do look at every decision. And, like, for instance, you brought up the Rodon thing. That move to bring Rodon in in Cleveland into that situation with the bases loaded, the only logical reason I could come up with that it would make sense is if you're saying, and it maybe goes beyond the manager, just as an organization, we need to know if this, look, he's not a starter anymore. You know, at that point in time, it kind of has been a failed thing. Well, can he pitch in the playoffs then out of the bullpen. We need to know if he can do this. Here's a situation where we can simulate that, and if we don't win the division because of it, it's not the end of the world because that doesn't really matter this year. Well, we saw what happened, right? It didn't go well. And then that's where in game three on Thursday, for him to come and pitch in a huge game out of the bullpen, that's where my defense of that from a week ago kind of went out the window because (laughs) – well, if it didn't work out and that's what you were trying to test, then why was he pitching in an elimination game in game three? And it, that's where I, all I'm saying is those decisions that were made, I would hope, and I know this is happening, any organization would look at those, evaluate them, and then come to some type of a conclusion. Right. And, and by the way, no manager out there is perfect, and they make all of them at some point make an odd move. Adam, I'm up against the news. Thanks so much for being on, brother. No problem. Have a good day, everyone. Adam Hogue covering the White Sox, and of course, Bears will talk to him Tuesday night, Hamp, OB, and Kaz. It is 4.30. Let's get a check of news, 720 WGN. That's the, you know, that's the exciting thing about it. Um, you know, I don't, really, I don't really think too many people expect us to get, you know, this far. Um, and so it says a lot about, you know, our lineup and uh, our pitching staff, man. We just got to continue to, you know, keep going and, uh, you know, continue to get better. And, uh, you know, like I said, come with the same mindset. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to be a lot hungrier uh, next year. Back to White Sox Weekly. I would actually quibble with Tim Anderson there. I expected the White Sox to be in the playoffs. I didn't think that was unreasonable. It would have been disappointing had they not make the playoffs. Now, I didn't expect, to Tim's point, for them to have the best record in baseball before they lost 11 of their last 15 games. I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect him to compete again for a batting title. I was sleeping that he was sleeping on Tim that he was going to be so consistent. Didn't get there, but still a phenomenal season. Uh, by the way, Sox fans, the Chicago Sports Depot has your official White Sox post-game, postseason gear. The team stores open Monday to Saturday, noon till 4 at limited capacity. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash depot or follow at White Sox store on Instagram. I know you're not necessarily dying to go out and get postseason gear right now but it's kind of like just a memory like that was 2020 i have a shirt from there and i'll have my 2021 world series shirt i bought it in october knowing that i was gonna have these two shirts because the white Sox are gonna win the world series in 2021 ain't that right scott merkin mlb.com sure if you say so (laughs) i'm i'm still waiting for the playoffs in 2020 to go through before i start making a prediction and actually my uh 
bold prediction on the season preview, you know, back in July was a Cubs White Sox World Series. I only missed that by about what twenty three combined wins, something in that area. Well, they both made the playoffs, Mark. I'm going to pat you on the back for that. You get you they get, did, yeah. I get, I get, and they and they, you know, were both they're what a, a game away from both winning the division, right? So you know, I, I should have stuck with that one actually. Yeah, I mean that's not a bad job by Scott Merck, and that's at least three buckets in the Bozo Buckets game. If we're going to go old school WGN, <laughs> uh, I remember, I remember, I remember uh, going to Bozo when I was for a long time when I was a kid. Yep, great, 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 great part of Chicago history. All right, Mark, let, let's let's talk about what happened here. And where the White Sox are going? Give me, give me your number one favorite Scott Merkin story of of twenty twenty. Oh wow, jeez, uh, that's, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I think it would probably be the Jose Abreu four straight home runs, just kind of representing what he did this year. You know, there were people. You know, he didn't have a great July, right? But how many games were in July? Six, something like that. And when I say not great, he was hitting like two fifty, two sixty, and I, you know. I was seeing people calling for him to be dropped in the lineup and maybe because he had dipped a little last year against right-handed platoon against, you know, against hit versus lefties and have someone else versus righties. And I'm like, this is crazy. This guy has been, you know, really, except for the one year where he had the, the medical issues, physical issues, the last month of the season, he's been absolutely consistent every single year the team has had him. I, I, I must've been missing something. Now, granted, I didn't expect him to come on and hit, you know, 19 homers and drive in 60 runs in 60 games, or I think at one point it was 62 and 61, right, when he hit the two-run homer in the uh, first game of the wildcard series. But I, I think just the four straight he hit against the Cubs is just amazing and just kind of represented what he did. You know, he, had a, he had a phenomenal year. There's no other way to look at it. And, and the interesting thing is every guy you talked to, and we asked a lot, I asked and others asked a lot as the year went on about what he meant, and everyone you hear says, the biggest thing is, you know, aside from being a good influence for couples, is just how hard he works, how just every day he's after it. And, you know, you used to hear that he has a set routine that he follows, and you hear that about all the good hitters, you know, you, and just the guys I've covered, Frank Thomas, Jim Tomey, that kind of thing, that win or lose, you know, 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, they had a set routine that didn't change, and Jose Abreu has that. So I, I, there's probably stories that I, you know, enjoyed even more that I just can't think of on top of my head now that you put me on the spot, but... In terms of like a huge moment, I thought you know that four straight home runs at Wrigley Field was pretty impressive. There's no doubt that was a passing of the torch for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Even though the Cubs were able to get Game Three, you Darvish pitched great. And Mark, your your math is 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 right there. Seven games in July. I had to double check while you were speaking there, uh, but very good. And you know, I'll remind you about the Lucas Giolito no hitter, which is amazingly you kind of forget about that moment a little bit. I mean, that was a great performance. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was you know, I mean. What thirteen strikeouts and the one? It was interesting. The one batter he he put on base, I think, was four straight balls. I don't think it was like one of those where, oh, it was three two and the pitch was close or something like that. I think he he walked Eric Gonzalez. I want to say on four straight to start the fifth, and that was it. Right, that was the only guy who got on base the entire game against him against Pittsburgh. Yep, on that made the White Sox eighteen and twelve, a four nothing win on. Tuesday, August 25th. The whole thing's a blur. I'm still kind of processing how the whole thing uh, ended and where to from here, Mark. So, you know, I was I was I was thinking real quick about this. They finished. I know you gave a different hour, but I think they were three and nine if you count in the you know the lat the Cincinnati season series, the Cleveland series, Cubs series at at home, and then the one and one to finish against the Twins. So it was three and nine. 
if you add that on to the 10 and 11 start, that's what 13 and 20, right? So what, how would, how different would the playoffs have looked? How different would their alignment been if they would have started 13 and 20 and then finished with that incredible run with like 24 and six at one point, you know, along the way there. So what if they finished that way instead of the way they did? Because I think the way they finished, what really hurt them in the playoffs was they did not have a third starter, let alone a fourth starter. They really trusted. They have very good young arms in Dylan Cease and Dane Dunning. Dylan or Dane Dunning had made what uh, seven regular season starts, and Dylan Cease has not even made a year's worth of starts as a starter in two parts of two seasons in the rotation. But they just didn't, you know, feel comfortable enough with one of those guys going the distance and you know or going you know deep into a game and deciding game three. But how different is that if it's the other way around? If they're on a roll going in, and these guys, you know, let's face it, he's you know had the struggles against since he got hit hard by the Cubs. Dunning's probably worst start of the year came against the Cubs, right? So you know you see the doubts creeping in a little bit, even beyond the numbers going into that last uh, going into the playoffs. I also just like the way the narrative would look if they were that far out of it, and then they went twenty four and six to get in the sure. playoffs. You win game one. It feels probably a little bit different today, perhaps if that's the way it went down. And I, long term, none of it matters. They got in. Right. They had the experience the last week, which should bother them. I would think that the experience in Oakland can only help too. And you're you got to be bothered that you somehow, some way, uh, did not come out of that series with a win and feel like, I think the White Sox have to feel like they were the better team. Um, but, you know, it's, I guess, all gravy. I mean, I, I said it a million times during the season. Like, expectations were just just don't be, a, just don't win 20 games. Like, if they had gone 20 right. and 40, that yeah. would have been a nightmare. But, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you needed even more. I think they needed to be somewhere around, a, you know, if, if it was just a small step up, it had to have been like, what, a 27-28 win team, right? Something like that. Because they certainly had the lineup. Even if everything else fell apart, they had the lineup. But, I mean, listen to what – and this is not a cop-out at all because, you know, I do believe they were a better team than Oakland. I think they're probably a better team than Houston overall. So, you know, I think they could have got that far. Now, again, that's projecting way out. But Rick Hahn said this, and Yasmani Grandal said the same thing during one of the Zooms with us, that if they win this year, that's great. That's what they want to do. That's their target. But if they don't, they know what they have, and they can go back after it again next year. Now, again, there are many rebuilds out there that have had great postseason runs, that have had great talent, and not won the championship. There's one championship every year, so nothing is ever guaranteed. So you can talk, you know, three-peat, four-peat, five-peat, whatever, and nothing's guaranteed. But they certainly have the talent to take that next step. And this year, you know, they, they didn't make a move at the trade deadline because they didn't want to give up any key pieces going forward. This is not a jump up just to win one season, but they do have a very, very solid core that they can supplement to be contenders for that, you know, for should be the next, you know, five, six, seven years. Merck, can you hang on for two minutes? I just want to ask you what you think about the uh, who's going to be here and who's not going to be here coming back if you have time. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I appreciate it. Scott Merkin will be back with us in two minutes. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly with you till 6, then a little Sports Central till 7. Sox fans, start planning your 2021 outings to the ballpark. Plenty of party areas of all sizes. Uh, that can be perfect for you and your group. Call or text Soxticks to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. Scott Merck and MLB.com with us here for a little while longer on 720 WGN. Merck, do you think James McCann will be back? Do you think Alex McCollumay will be back? Let's start there. Both interesting calls. I mean, James McCann really has connected with this pitching staff in the last two years, but James McCann probably wants to play 
as close to every day as possible, and that's not going to happen in Chicago, right? So it'll be an interesting conundrum. It'll be an interesting – I would say right now there will be a team who steps up and wants to make James McCann a number one you know, catcher, a starting catcher. So I would guess that's a little unlikely. But it's not certainly not for a fact that the Sox don't like him or the pitchers didn't like throwing to him. They love throwing to him. And, you know, and the same with Grendel, but, I mean, I think that – Grandal is your guy for three years, right? And you have Zach Collins there too, if they, if that's an option moving forward. So it just depends on the market. Who knows what the market's going to be after this? You know, this interesting slash crazy 2020 season. Calame, you know, I know people who really dig deep in his stats don't love his peripherals, but man, that guy sure knows how to get three outs in the ninth inning, doesn't it? And and so, doesn't he? I should say, and something can be said for that. So I, I think again, it's all about the market. I would say probably Calame closer to yes than McCann. And, you know, go from there. So I, I would think he's a possibility. And internally, if they don't, if somebody makes a big offer to Alex Colomay and the White Sox don't feel like it's worth it, is it Aaron Bummer? Is that our, is that the White Sox closer in 2021? I mean, you have options, right? You have Aaron Bummer. Cody Hoyer had a great season. You know, I mean, there may be a guy who's in the starting mix who ends up becoming, you know, a late-inning type of guy. But I would think right now it's, yeah, I would think Aaron Bummer would probably be the main candidate, right? And Cody Hoyer. I mean, geez, I mean, we have to find out what's the situation with Garrett Crochet, obviously, but, you know, Chris Sale did that for two years, right? Chris Sale had uh, like 16 games when he came in 2010 and then pitched a full season as a late inning guy in 2011 before he went on to become one of the best starters in baseball, one of the best starters in White Sox history. So I don't know if that's the route they're going to take Crochet or they want to put it in the minors. And again, we have to find out how the tightness in his you know forearm plays out. But I, I would think of the guys you have, you know for sure it's Aaron Bummer. So Dane Dunning gives up a leadoff single to Tommy LaStella, and all of a sudden we see Garrett Crochet warming up. Scott Merkin's reaction at that point was? I mean, a little stunned because I, you know, I thought Dane Dunning had done a pretty decent job this year in the times that he was out there. You know, I mean, he... He'd only had a couple games where he'd worked real deep into like quality start type area, but had given you three, four solid innings pretty consistently in his start. But, you know, that was the plan they had. And although Matt Olson had a, a, a poor season average wise, he does have a lot of power. And I think the fear was, you know, one big swing of a mislocated fastball and you're down three nothing before, you know, the end of the first inning. So that's what they were trying to avoid. And they, and they got out of that inning, you know, they got out and, and the plan was laid out. So I don't think Garrett Crochet was ever called on this year. I know this, where it was a surprise, get him up quick. You know, we got to get, I think there was always knowledge for Garrett before he came in, you're going to throw in this day. And this is probably where you're throwing. Hey, you know, I mean, if, there, there can be complaints all around. There's always complaints with a manager in terms of how you handle the bullpen, even guys who have won championships. I mean, we've seen that in this city have been complaining about how they use the bullpen, but Look at what happened with San Diego. And I'm not laying this on all just the Sox players, but they didn't have, they had, what, nine walks in that game, right? Before it was all said and done against Oakland. And you saw San Diego went last night and they threw a shutout. So suddenly, Jace Tingler handled it perfectly and Ricky Renteria did. And I mean, that's kind of hard to argue. I think ultimately it's the results. And, you know, you can quibble at certain points, but I was a little surprised, but I understood it a little bit after, you know, I, I mean, it, it was laid out. That was how they figured it would go if the game turned in that direction. Yeah, look, I, I, you're right. They walked nine batters. Rodon had two. Foster, who had been great all season long, came in and couldn't find the plate. Uh, Evan Marshall walked two. Uh, 
So all all that happened, and it also seemed like it was just backwards the way they were going about it. You know, here comes Aaron Bummer in the second inning. I'm like, I was I, at that point. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Why is Bummer pitching now? It didn't make sense to me, Mark. I don't. Were you thinking the same thing? Right. Well, I'll add two things. First of all, what a great job. I mean, Evan Marshall really had to, what did he throw 45 pitches in that game, and I think he's had one other game in his entire career, which is a pretty solid career that where he's been over 40. He had one 53 pitch outing. I looked up so. He really, you know, went the extra mile there. But remember, now, again, Bummer came in very early. Remember, Bummer's also not too far removed from the injured list where he had, like, one or two outings before the end of the year. And if you think back to 2016, (laughs) excuse me, Andrew Miller was, you know, one of the kind of co-closers for Cleveland, right? It was Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. And there would be many games you'd see Andrew Miller come in and pitch in the fourth or pitch in the fifth to get the Indians through. And he would go, you know, two, two and a third innings. So I'm not defending Ricky completely on that. That's what they had laid, or Ricky and Coop, I guess, in this case, had had laid out. And I get that Bummer is a guy that you hope you know can carry you from the seventh and eighth into the ninth. But that's where they felt they needed him, so they used him. Yeah, I mean, it was all kind of startling. It was all kind of surprising when Dane Dunning was given four batters and yanked from the game, and you thought, well, maybe they should have gone and cease and let him have a chance. At least he had been there all year, you know, and done a pretty good job aside from control. But. You know, it's when you, it's do or die. It all gets micromanaged a little, a little deeper. I think. Do you think that Ricky's back? Yes, I would. I would be. I would be. I mean, let's go to the bottom line. Is I get that they expanded the playoffs, but this is a team that lost a hundred games two years ago and lost what eighty nine last year. Yep. And they made the playoffs this year with a yep. thirty five and twenty five record. And aside from a very poor finish, which is I get, no one wanted that, and I get that. There were a lot of complaints about, you know, Carlos Rodon coming in with the bases loaded in Cleveland when he, you know, hadn't pitched in in a month and he had made what five relief appearances in his career before that outing. So I I I think Ricky understands the critiques too, although I don't think Ricky spends more than zero seconds ever on social media or anything like that. But I think, you know, he he did a good they got to the playoffs. They won thirty five games and they finished poorly. So now you sit down and go about it and say, okay, we got to this level, that was great. How do we go about fixing it to go to the next level then? Right, okay, so fixing it. Who's your big off-season acquisition here? I mean, we I talked with Adam Hogue, who was on before you, Mark, and we were talking Trevor Bauer, which I don't think is off the table. Why not? The Sox certainly, uh, they could create the money, if not just add on to the money, to pay a guy like that, and that would excite White Sox fans, I would assume, to no end. But then there's also interesting guys out there like Jose Quintana who might fit real nicely into that rotation. So uh, there's definitely room, I would think, for the White Sox to add on, and I would think there's a thirst to do it and try to take advantage of where they're at. Yeah, I think there is. I think you also have no idea what, and I'm not saying you in particular, I'm saying you as the collective you, have no idea what the market and what the outlay is going to be after this season. You know, you just don't know. So you don't know. You know, guys are coming up the books, obviously. You know, I don't think they probably pick up the option in in Encarnacion. Steve Ciszek is already gone. Uh, I don't know about Gio Gonzalez. You know, you you mentioned Calame and McCann. So there's some money coming off. But how much do they spend after what all the teams went through this year? And, you know, Trevor Bauer, my goodness, you know, he's probably going to win the NL Cy Young, right? I mean, for a team that snuck into the playoffs in the last week of the season, he was phenomenal. He's an interesting character. He's also, do you want a guy who's kind of a, you know, a, a, I don't know if I want to say a beat to himself, but, you know, a, a character. I mean, do you, do you want that in a clubhouse that gets along? So I'm not saying, I mean, from all accounts, he got along fine in the Cincinnati clubhouse, but is that a guy you want? So it just depends on, 
what you have to spend. But I will say this, obviously, if you went to nine pitchers in your game three start, you know, San Diego did that because two of their main starters were hurt and not on, you know, Clevenger and Lamette were not on the playoff roster. I think, you know, you still have Cease, you still have Dunning. These guys got valuable, huge experience this year. But, yeah, you need a veteran or two to say, okay, when it comes to a playoff series, we know we have one through four and have young guys behind that can help out. And, granted, you know, Kopech's coming back. But I think you need that. And no offense to Nomar Mazzaro, who had a great, not a great finish, but a very solid finish to the year, much better than his, the first part of the season. But you probably need a right fielder too, right? You probably need, a, you know, something to help combat. They kill lefties 15-0 and against left-handed starters. Probably a left-handed bat to kind of help you combat a little bit against right-handed starters. Mark, I'm going to miss you for the next 180 days. Well, I'll be around. You can call anytime. You know, I'm just here in Chicago, not, probably not going anywhere. So you you can find me. That's for sure. I I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for being on. Okay, Mark, you're the best. All right, take care, Scott Mark at MLB.com. Quick timeout news at the top, and uh, we'll look at some baseball free agents uh, a little more in depth coming up after five o'clock, seven twenty WGN. Um, I think guys were aware from the very beginning that it was all hands on deck and be ready at any any time. You know, I. I I don't want to second-guess the use of anybody, to be honest with you. I think uh, you talk to any one of those arms, and, and whether they're thrown in the first inning or the ninth inning, they all expect themselves to succeed. Back to White Sox Weekly. That is James McCann sizing up the way the White Sox season ended. Of course, McCann, a free agent. He has been simply phenomenal last year and this year. Gets credit for making an all-star game, gets credit for partnering with Lucas Giolito, gets credit for being an all-around great teammate, and I think everybody wants James McCann back. But if he does have a better opportunity elsewhere where he can play every day, got to let a Major League Baseball player spread his wings, so to speak. You don't get to do this for a long time, so I don't think anybody would hold that against him if he has an everyday opportunity and when you go out and you sign Yasmani, uh, you know, he's expecting to at least catch some of the time. All right. Let's. Uh, I thought it was very interesting on the TV side after the third game against Oakland. Frank Thomas, maybe the greatest White Sox player of all time, had some thoughts about how the season ended and how game three went. This was the big hurt on NBC Sports Chicago. I guess I'll be nice first. 2020, we had baseball. We never thought we were going to have baseball. This young team broke out and was a talk of baseball for almost two solid months. So you got to stay positive. Fan base, you got to stay positive. You got a very great young team looking to do damage in 2021. But uh, I can't be nice on this next one. First two innings, we gave it away. I'm upset about it because we understand all hands on deck, but you cannot warm up your bullpen after the first batter. I mean, that, that instills no confidence throughout your lineup, throughout your pitching staff. This was a, a team that have scored so many runs. You can't say we're not going to score today. That's what it sounds like. We're not going to score today. Um, it was just ugly. It was a disaster. And uh, one in three, nothing. This team, misuse of the bullpen early, caused us not to hold a lead later on in the ballgame. So um, just, a, just an ugly game. It was a disastrous show. Uh, this team deserved better because of the way they played this year. There's no other nice way to put this. So he used the word disastrous twice. I mean, Frank was not mincing words at all. And I think we were all kind of scratching our heads as to what was going on. It's interesting, right? Here's a guy who 
certainly knows what he's talking about. I don't think it necessarily impacts the team's confidence when you're getting up a reliever after one batter gets a base hit. I, th- I thought it was certainly bizarre. But our guys on the field like, oh no, we, we can't play now or, 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 or are rattled because of it. It's, it, it. I don't think it's a mental thing. I'm, I think it's more of just who's a, an available thing. And the order was odd. But so then after the game, this was Tim Anderson. He was asked about the manager and how much Ricky has meant to him. So this was Timmy. I mean, a lot, man. Um, you know, he just allowed, you know, each and every one of those guys to, you know, go out and compete, you know, the way they want to. Um, and allow us to be ourselves. Um, you know, ever since I got here, uh, you know, he's been nothing but great. Um, and, you know, just allow me to be myself and allow me to play the game the, the way I want to. And, uh, you know, we, we made it this far. So, um you know, we just got to keep working, man. Keep working. And, um, you know, I think he's the right guy. So there's Tim going to bat for his manager, right? He knows that there's going to be a lot of uh, Ricky talk here. Maybe not just outside of the organization on radio shows or, and on street corners or whatever, but also, you know, within the organization. What are they going to, what's, what does Rick Hahn want to do? Is, is Ricky an A to B guy? sort of like Doug Collins was uh, for the Bulls back in the day, and then they brought in Phil Jackson. I think it's a whole lot different when you try to make that comparison because in basketball, you're, you're looking for a system, and they were trying to figure out ways to have Michael share the basketball and all that type of stuff. Uh, so do the White Sox need uh, an, an elite, say, strategist in the dugout. Like I think, I think Ricky is elite at connecting with his guys. I think he's elite, if you will, in his positivity. He certainly, I mean, he his players are literally. He said it; they're like his kids to him. And I do think that matters in the clubhouse. Like you've got a lot of guys who feel very positive towards Ricky. That certainly doesn't hurt the White Sox. Now, if he wasn't around, would they would they go south? I don't, you know, I wouldn't say that either. But but that does count for something. Uh, this was Tim on just sort of feeling the pain of of, of losing. Yeah, you know, it's, gonna be, it's, it's a little sting, um, but you know, man, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm sure the guys, I'm sure the guys are happy. You know, um, they got you know they got a small sample of it. Um, you know, man, this is what it's about. You know, uh, competing and competing at a high level. And, uh, you know, we competed today. We competed at a high level. We default. And, uh, you know, we just came up short. But that's okay. That's okay. We just got to keep going and, uh, you know, keep rallying as a team. Uh, you know, I thought the most interesting part of that soundbite for me is that guys are happy. Like, he, I, I would think he's not making that up. The, the temperature of the locker room after losing to Oakland, after being up one game to none, after being up in game three is that, hey, Guys appreciate. I'm sure they're disappointed, but overall, it's a happy White Sox club. They're not sitting there like, "Oh my God, we should have gotten through this." I think they realize where there was some shortcomings with the roster, and maybe some guys who were coming back from injury and or were too young, or or maybe just in a bad part of the season where their performance was not what it will be in the future. I'm looking at you, Dane Dunning. I'm looking at you, Dylan Cease. I'm looking at. Uh, Many uh, other, you know, Carlos Rodon would fall under that umbrella, right? Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. By the way, if you want to jump on in here, and we can get some White Sox conversation going on. Lotta, it, it's just it's very, I would call it nuanced, as to 
what this offseason is going to look like. I would love to be a fly on the wall over at Guaranteed Rate Field for some of the conversations that are going on right now about the players and coaching staff and all of it as the White Sox are gunning clearly to win the World Series in 2021. Hey, Sox fans, catch the action in 2021 from a private diamond suite. Host your closest friends and family with a customizable food and beverage menu. Call or text Sox Ticks to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. Come on on back with your phone calls. And yes, I'll look at the actual lineup and who's back and who won't be back and uh, how long they'll be here. A lot of stuff just to uh, digest as we'll try to play the general manager of Rick Hans hat for a second here, 720 WGN. Yeah, man, we can't change the results of what just happened. Um, so, you know, the only thing is, you know, we just got to look forward, um, you know, continue to get better, um, you know, come with that same mindset next year. And, uh, you know, hopefully things can turn, turn in our, uh, you know, turn in our favor. And uh, we continue to grow as a team, continue to get better. Back to White Sox Weekly. Yeah, we're hanging out with you here. White Sox season came to an end. I didn't sleep Thursday night. These things happen. 312-981-7200. Mark Carmen with you. White Sox Weekly till 6 o'clock. Ryan McGuffey's coming up at the bottom of the hour. You can become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes and special offers. The Friday Five pre-sales and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Uh, visit whitesox.com slash email today and... If you want to be close to the action in 2021, you can look no further than the Wintrust Scout seats. Enjoy unparalleled views directly behind home plate, plus exclusive access to a private lounge with all-inclusive food and beverage. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com today. So here's what it looks like just around the diamond real quick. Behind home plate, Yasmani Grandel signed through 2023. Jose Abreu signed through 2022 at first. Nick Madrigal at second base signed through 2026. Tim Anderson, 2024. That's your shortstop. Third base, Yohan Moncada, 2025. Left field, Eloy, 2026. Center field, Luis, 2027. That is a team set up. Now right field, Nomar can be back next year or not. That's open. And you've got options. You've got arbitration years with Adam Engel who can be here for a long time. And Larry Garcia is there. Let's look at the starting step. Lucas Giolito, 2023. Dallas Keuchel, 2023. Dylan Cease, 2025. Dane Dunning, 2026. Michael Kopech, 2025. Garrett Crochet, through 2026. You want to go to the bullpen? Sure, let's do that. Aaron Bummer, 2026. Evan Marshall, 2022. Cody Hoyer, 2025. Matt Foster, 2025. You're set up so well. Credit to Rick Hahn. Everything turning up, Rick Hahn. Not everything, I guess. Edwin Encarnacion was a swing and a miss. Uh, and if you want to go back in time, you can always find trades that you want to have back. Fernando Tatis Jr., of course, the number one with the White Sox, and that was not great with James Shields. And, of course, he's playing in the playoffs with the Padres and looking phenomenal. But no one's perfect. And the trades that he made to rebuild the roster on the downside with Sale and with Adam Eaton and with 
Jose Quintana, who very well might end up back with the White Sox. Just unbelievable. So uh, I, I would I would say you're feeling pretty comfortable with your general manager and what he's going to be doing uh, in the offseason here, adding on to a team that is really well set up to do it. Hey, Mike and Evanston, welcome to White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Go ahead. Yeah, howdy. Um, no question, Rick Hahn has done a fabulous job. You can't, you can't knock him. I mean, nobody's going to bat a uh, thousand. But the last, Renteria basically put a bow on the last 13 games with that performance in Oakland, and he put a bow on the bow with using Rodan in the same spot and wrapped up basically two weeks of the most imbecilic moves imaginable. Now, Han is going to be at a crossroads. This is his shot. You lost a window this year, believe it or not, even though nobody figured it. Houston wasn't unbeatable, which means we would have had a chance to maybe play for the American League pennant. Now you're going to have a big window next year and the year after. But how many do you want to waste with this guy? It wasn't just one move. It was a series of of craziness that was just inexplicable. Hey, hey, Art, Art, let me let me ask you a question. Do you expect the White Sox to be in the playoffs this year? Uh, actually, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so so did I. But did you expect them to go deep into the playoffs? Let me ask it that way. You know, in such a crazy year, it was one that you could say right. anything could happen. Right. I, look, I get it. He wasn't perfect, but. Let's just let, let's let's put it out there, Mike. How, how about this? I, I was on Baseball Night in Chicago yesterday. I asked the same question to uh, Gordon Whitmire and, and a David Kaplan. If you could have, if you could, I could give you an elite pitcher. I'll give you Trevor Bauer, or I'll even give you Jose Quintana. Or you can have a new manager. Who are you taking? What's more important for this team? The new manager. I see. I think you're crazy. Why would Maybe. really Trevor? Because ba- at the end of the day, there's going to be games in the playoffs that are going to be decided by the way you manage the bullpen. And this was a performance that was just, it was inexplicable. I mean, it was the worst series of moves from the Cleveland series to the ending day that were inexplicable. And bullpens mean everything. Okay, hold on. Let's go back to the Cleveland series. Let's say, if you're talking about the Rodon move, I'm scratching my head just along with you. But there was, right, what about Jose Ruiz, Jose Ruiz the game before? That was brutal. Okay. okay. I, my point, though, here. Look, Mike, would you have rather played the A's, the Yankees, or the Astros in the playoffs? Well, the A's. Right, I, right. I agree. I agree. The A's. But that don't mean you're supposed to try to I, I understand. make crazy moves but, to lose. But my point is that managers make a zillion moves, and, the, and, and some do, don't work out, and some are head scratchers, and some they can't defend, and, and whatever. But my my point is that you're going to have that literally with anybody who manages the club, right? I mean, look, let's go cross town. How many? You're, everyone's still scratching their head at what Joe Madden did with with Aroldis Chapman. They won the World Series. I'm not saying you don't want to have a manager who's quote unquote perfect, but they they, they don't they don't exist, Mike. They really they just don't. Uh, no, I'm not looking for perfect, sir. I'm really not. I'm, I know. Well, okay, but okay, Mike, was crazy. Mike, Mike, let me ask you this: Has Tim Anderson gotten better under Ricky? Oh, they love him. They, I don't, right? I don't argue with you. They well, love him. how much is that worth? Lucas Giolito went from worth the, as much as managing a pitching staff and managing a bullpen in the playoffs. Yeah. I believe. Okay, okay, Mike. Good call. You're 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 certainly not alone in your sentiments. Thanks for calling. All right. 
Happy Wall, thank you. You as well. 312-981-7200. Art in Evanston, welcome to White Sox Weekly. Go ahead, Art. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks for your good work, especially during the dark days of COVID. Your Saturday night shows were fantastic, by the way. Thanks, Art. I appreciate it. Yeah, so here's what I'd do. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd block up McCann and Colome. I think those are two strategic fits for the, for the team. I'd do everything I can to lock those two up. I'd uh, sign Quintana. Um, as a free agent. Uh, I also try to get someone to replace C-Shack. I think they do need a veteran right-hand reliever. And I would say goodbye to Encarnacion. Uh, I would stop the Cologne experiment. And I would uh, I would uh, see if I could trade Mazzara. So, and then, I'd, last thing, I'd, I just love A.J. Hinch. I, even though what happened at the Astros, I think he'd be a terrific manager. But uh, that's probably unfair to Ricky. It's exactly what the Cubs did to him with, with Madden. But I think, you know, he's a... Uh, He's a good manager who took the Astros from a rebuild into a world champs. So, so, so that, uh, hold on, Ar, let's let's just focus on on that point. And you know, it's a little bit different. I mean, Ricky's been here a whole lot longer on the South Side and has helped this team get to where they're at. So it'd be way worse than what happened to him, as far as I'm concerned, at least on on uh, on the North Side. Although there is no listen, it's a doggy dog world out there, and and nobody's going to cry for anyone. But okay, AJ Hinch. He was in the middle of the Astros cheating scandal. He was aware of what was going on. He was the, the trash cans were being banged in the dugout, and he looked the other way. You really want that guy as the face of your franchise on the top step of the dugout, even if he's a great, great manager? You're you're down with that? Yeah, I still am down with it. With it, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. I've thought a lot about it, but uh, I just I just thought he was a good manager and uh, made some great moves. And I think, you know, unfortunately, the whole organization there got caught up. And you know, I, I, you have a good point, but I would still take the chance. Okay. Uh, okay. I think he, what, if he could repeat what he did with the Astros, <laughs> albeit the, you know, the cheating, you have to watch for. I thought he did a great job on on managing those players. Fair enough. Let me ask you this, Art. If the White Sox won the World Series next year, and you never learned about it, I just made a deal with you right now. No one's listening. We're just with, just me and you. Hey, we're going to win the World Series next year, but they're going to have a secret video that no one's ever going to find out about. It's going to give them an edge, but no one will ever know, and the White Sox will be World Series champions. Are you in, Art? What would you say? Uh, the answer is, if I knew that, I would say I, I wouldn't take that bargain. Okay. So he, I, I would think he's 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 going to be the most straightforward guy now. He, I, I sense he's a guy who learned a lot out of this. Took the embarrassment like a man. He was very respectful about how he did it. Um, you know, so I okay. sense he's you know he he would he would actually protect the team against that. And I just think he he'd work with the mix of players well. Okay, Art, appreciate you. You're, you yeah you you came back with the integrity right there, Art. You would not take the World Series under those circumstances. I appreciate that. All right. Okay, take care. Yep, you as well. 312-981-7200. It's interesting, right? A.J. Hinch is the number one manager out there. He was dead smack in the middle of the Astros cheating scandal by the way the Astros are still playing. That was last year. Guy, every World's full of second chances. I'm not giving him a second chance in that White Sox clubhouse at the expense of Ricky Renteria. That's just me. Maybe they will. Who knows? John in Riverside, welcome to WGN. Hey, Mark. Uh, I, I agree. I, I, I don't want to touch AJ Hinch either. That's that's just too uh, that's too difficult of a situation either way. But um, I, I think what this series obviously proved was that we need more depth in the starting rotation. And and obviously, there's a lot of good options out there in free agency, but they they, they need a, a legitimate third starter that, that can be counted on in a playoff game. Because it really, 
you know, what we're looking at from this point on is, yes, we assume we're going to be pretty good and we'll be able to hopefully win the division but at least get a wild card. But if you're going to beat the Yankees, if you're, if you're going to beat Tampa Bay and, and, and the, you know, the premier teams in the American League, um, and obviously even Cleveland with, with their pitching depth, I mean, you, you, you have to be able to – to pitch with them. It's going to be a struggle to score runs in the playoffs. Yes, the lineup the lineup didn't come through, I mean, for the most part. I mean, there's some people who did. There's many who didn't. But that's playoff baseball. I mean, it, it, it's hard to score runs in the playoffs. And, you know, you don't always want to go back to 05, but, you know, pitching led the way. And I, I really hope there, there's a focus. Plus, I, I'm, I'm really excited – about Michael Kopech coming back. I mean, that that's a huge – that's almost like a free agent addition there as well. But if they could add one more legitimate veteran arm and any of the names that have been mentioned, I, I would be fine with. I, I think they'd be in a really good spot. Yep. John, I got you. Great call, all right? Thanks for checking in. So, I, I Listen, the more I think about it and just listen to John's call and, I mean, look – you are in an incredibly rare position where you have financial flexibility, you have incredible talent on the roster, you have a chance to win the World Series. If I'm the White Sox, I, I'm at the top of the market for Trevor Bauer. I just am. I am bringing in the best starter out there, and I am setting myself up to win the World Series. And if Michael Kopech comes back and is a stud, and if Dane Dunning and Dylan Cease take steps forward, you could roll through the American League. To me, that's an investment worth doing. You're, it's rare that you're in this spot in time. You have the talent. You have financial flexibility. There's an elite guy out there. It all adds up. All in move. Live life all in. I think somebody said that in the city. 5.30, check the news. Ryan McGuffey next, 720 WGN. You know, that's the exciting thing about it. Um, you know, I don't, really, I don't really think too many people expect us to get, you know, this far. Um, and so it says a lot about, you know, our lineup and uh, our pitching staff, man. We just got to continue to, you know, keep going and, uh, you know, continue to get better. And, uh, you know, like I said, come with the same mindset. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to be a lot hungrier uh, next year. Back to White Sox Weekly. It's 720 WGN 535. Mark Harmon with you, Sox fans. The Chicago Sports Depot is open Monday to Saturday from noon until 4 p.m. at limited capacity. You can get the newest gear, including jerseys for MVP candidates Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu and the rookie Luis Robert. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash depot or follow at White Sox Store on Instagram. 312-981-7200. We could take some calls with our next guest, Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago, who's been our regular here. Guff, I feel like we had to have a season-closing conversation. Thank you for taking time, sir. A little airing of grievances, if you will. I sure well, sure. Do you have if you'd like to air some grievances, feel free. I, 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 I the dance floor is open as uh our guy Chet Kopic used to say, "What's yeah. what's what's your biggest beef right now, Ryan McGuffey? What's sitting in your craw?" I don't know if it's a beef. I mean, it's been we've been able to sleep on it uh, quite well the last few nights. Um, it's disappointing that it got to a situation where the White Sox kind of just ran out of arms, and you know, I think in most scenarios, you would love to be in a closeout game the three nothing lead and be able to put the team away and, and step on the gas and kind of bury that team. But 
you know, the White Sox weren't able to do it. I think they ran out of arms and, and, and they kind of ran out of firepower even from an offensive standpoint. I think they finished 4 for, 20, four for 27 in the series with runners in scoring position. But sometimes it's a little, it, that, that's that, there's a little bit more to it than that sometimes. Um, they just weren't able to you know, deliver. They weren't able to get to that five, six run lead that felt like it was going to happen early in the game. You know, I think Mike Fires got off the hook. I think he had six balls hit at 100 miles an hour or more, and they were only able to, I think, scratch across that run. So it's, it's frustrating because I honestly feel like the White Sox were the better team in that series, but this is baseball, and, and you're not always you're not guaranteed anything. Look at the entire uh, AL and NL Central. They made up half the field, and they're all going home. So, uh, But it is what, what you can take a step back and look, if you can look at the whole thing, uh, be thankful that it happened and know that, expectations should be extremely high now going forward. Uh, the playoffs are not something that you should just be uh, aiming for. It should be bigger than that, and I think the players feel that as well. Well, this is the last time in this iteration of White Sox baseball, this window of opportunity that you'll be able to finish up a, a season and say, well, it's great that they got this far. Like even, mm-hmm. I suppose you could say that next year if they made it to the World Series – but literally, I think anything shy of that is going to be considered a "quote unquote" disappointment at this time. You know, that, and which is a great thing, by the way. I, I lean into that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's fair and realistic. The one thing the team did was answer a lot of questions about what you needed to know as this thing is, you know, built for a World Series. You know, you, I think we know at this point they're at least a starter short. And there's some other things, you know, some other pieces that you've learned about that you didn't know. But would, would Tim Anderson be able to put it back, you know, go back to back and, and put two seasons together? We know that. Jose Abreu, clearly, you already knew about Jose Abreu, but if this is, you know, I don't know. He may be the MVP. I think he should be. You know, maybe you don't expect that from him, but you take other guys take steps. I mean, Yoel Mankata was, was stricken by COVID all year. And he clearly wasn't himself, the guy that was in 2019. So you expect somewhere that to come back. There's a lot of guys that answer questions. And then there's, you know, there's free agents, I think, the pending free agents that the White Sox have decisions to make on that, quite frankly, I just don't think they're going to be that difficult to make. You have a lot of guys in your bullpen that have stepped up in big ways. And, you know, James McCann probably becomes your biggest offseason question. And I just think from the one thing you definitely need, though, that you need another horse in that rotation. So going forward, if you really want to talk, if you really do want to be considered World Series contenders, you're going to have to spend some more money and bring in another horse. And that's not a knock on Dylan Cease or Ronaldo Lopez, or maybe it is. You know, maybe it is. Or Dane Dunning. I think those guys still have steps to take in order to be prominent frontline starters. And I think you need to make sure that you have a very top-heavy, you know, instead of having two out of five, you need to have three-fifths of that rotation settled going into 2021 it's not a knock on them it's just a it's or it's not a punt on them that they're never going to be good but it's a correct it's a reality check on where you're at and the more i've been doing this show guff and taking some calls here and having you on and merc on and adam hogan and just and just looking at the landscape to me it, it just lines up where you have financial flexibility you have an incredibly talented roster you have a very interesting ace on the market. You have a pandemic which might, in theory, deflate the amount you have to spend, but maybe not. But you're just, it's very rare that you're in this position. 
So if I'm the White Sox, it's not my money, by the way, uh, but if I'm the White Sox, I'm at the top of the market with Trevor Bauer and hoping he wants to come here. Which, by the way, that guy... Um, yep. No, literally, 1A, 1B, 1C. Trevor Bauer is the phone call you make. He is the guy you make. He has actually what the White Sox already have, and that's swagger. Him and Tim Anderson, think about that. A guy in the rotation that has the swagger of Tim Anderson. Seriously, I mean, that would be great. I would like to see how that would mesh with some of the coaching staff, and maybe that's something you talk about too in the offseason, but I think Trevor Bauer, and the fact that he's already gone out there publicly and said in years past that he never wants a long-term deal, that all kind of factors into what you were just saying. And I, he might be a two-year a two-year guy with an option, but I, you got to trust him. I love his YouTube show that he watches. Either look, <laughs> people are going to love him or hate him. There's, I don't think there's any anything in between. But what you're going to love is every fifth day. When he shoves, as he says, when he sho- when, when he's going seven, seven and two thirds, eight and two thirds, striking out 10, 11, 12, 13, and having an ERA around two, you're going to love everything about that. I mean, think about a rotation that is Trevor Bauer, Lucas Giolito, and Dallas Keuchel now slides into three. I mean, get out of the way because that's just scary good. And with the money you have coming off the books and Encarnacion and Steve Ciszek and James McCann and, and perhaps Alex Colomay, I mean, there are Gio Gonzalez. I just gave you right there. I just I just made up for Trevor Bauer's salary. Right. And like I said before, to start the call, a lot of those guys you're not bringing back anyway, and there's you have natural in-house replacements. So, I mean, it's tangible. It, it's he's a phone call away. And here's the other thing about the White Sox. Now, the other question that they've answered, they've answered the question around Major League Baseball. Like, are they coming? No, they're here, and they're very attractive in a very great spot for people to want. They already love Chicago. But knowing now the White Sox have taken that step into the postseason with this offense, if you're Trevor Bauer, you're thinking, man, with that offense, even on an off day, and an off day for him is like a couple of solo homers, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I think it would be hard to pass up. It's a very attractive opportunity. Let's let, uh, fingers across. Bottom line: three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. He would be incredible in, oh. this, in the city as a whole, just from a sheer entertainment standpoint. Let alone what he would do for the team and on the mound. Uh, calls. Let's let's take a call with Guff. Let's get some White cool. Sox uh, little play here. Hey, Joe Greenwood. Thanks for being patient. Go ahead. You want to talk about Adam Angle? Yeah. Go ahead, man. Right. Oh, thanks for taking my call, guys. You got it. Well. First of all, Engel's the best fielder we got. He hit a home run in the first game, and I think he had another base hit. And then in the third game, I think he had two more hits. Nomara stinks. He's got to go. Encarnacion stinks. He's got to go. Madrigal had two errors in the second game and cost us a couple runs. He's going to be good, but he's he's green, man, and he's scared out there. You can take a look at him. I don't know why. He's not scared, Joe. He made some bad plays, but he's not scared. That's not him. I don't know know why Mendick didn't play. The pitcher I'd like to see us go after is Sonny Gray at Cincinnati. He's got some guts. He's got some guts. Joe, let's let's well, we'll, we'll respond. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. And get rid of the the, man, the manager. He's horrible. <laughs> okay. That's why the Cubs got rid of him. He no, stinks. No, Joe, Joe. Thanks for the call. That's not why the Cubs got rid of him. The Cubs got rid of him because Joe Madden became available, and they love Joe yeah. Madden, and they were trying to win a World Series and all that. Uh, but that was. It's not like Ricky did something wrong over there. You want to respond to the Sonny Gray stuff? Yeah, I mean Sonny Gray signed a three or thirty million deal, thirty million dollar deal with the the Reds prior to the season. So unless the only way you're getting Sonny Gray 
is in a trade where you'd have to give up huge assets that probably include guys you like a lot, like Dane Dunning. I don't see something great. Joe, you're looking at the wrong guy on the red staff, my man. Trevor Bauer is the guy that's available. All he costs is money. He's better than Sonny Gray. You talk about guts, this guy has it. So Trevor Bauer would be the Reds pitcher. I think he's, it's clear that he likes Adam Engel. Uh, Adam Engel answered some questions of his own. And, and, and Engel's a guy I know that you've talked to, Carmen. He's been on this show and that we both like a lot. I think that right field is probably not as big or as important as it once was. I do think you're more likely to see, like right now, in my opinion, I think if you, if you can add Trevor Bauer, I can platoon in right field and be happy with that. I really, I, I could be absolutely happy with having Adam Engel and Mazzara out in right field for 2021 playing the matchups. If you go out and address something as big as Trevor Bauer, uh, if you're if that's not the case and you're looking to kind of add here and there, right field certainly becomes an attractive spot on your roster that you can upgrade on. But I think Adam Engel has proven. He has a spot on this on this roster, and quite frankly, should be starting a few days a week. And uh, I think as long as you can live with, if you, if you can fulfill that that starting rotation with with a major uh, uh, horse, I can live with right field for twenty twenty one as is. Yeah, and by the way, if you're in it and Bowers here and right field's a problem, you can always find an outfielder mm-hmm. at the deadline. That's that's not no doubt not impossible to do. Guff, you want to hang on, do a little bit more, and get on out of here. Quick time sure, out. Well, I'm with you. All right. I'm with you. All right. Hang on. Brian McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago. Got one more segment of White Sox Weekly, 312-981-7200 on 720 WGN. I, mean, I think guys were aware from the very beginning that it was all hands on deck and be ready at any, any time. You know, I, 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 I don't want to second guess the, the use of anybody, to be honest with you. I think uh, you talk to any one of those arms and, and whether they're thrown in the first inning or the ninth inning, they all expect themselves to succeed. Back to White Sox Weekly. James McCann is never going to jump on his manager from where when he uses a pitcher. Uh, and that was Mac after the ball game on Thursday. Sox, of course, season has come to an end. We're looking ahead to opening day 2021, which is 180 days away, Ryan McGuffey. Oh, man, that makes me feel a lot better right now with that. That was my question to Mac, by the way, because I just know how cerebral he is. He's usually really good. So, yeah, he's not throwing anybody under the bus. I did not know that was your question. I like the synergy that we're getting here on White Sox Weekly. <laughs> by, by the way, our conversation with Goff is sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. You don't get a car for that, Guff, but uh, you yeah, anyway. It's okay. No. Maybe next year. There, there's a weird story that's making the rounds here. Do you remember Charles Hager? Oh, Charlie Hager, the knuckleballer. So, uh, this is a little bit of a left turn here, but the unoccupied vehicle of a former professional baseball player sought in the shooting death of his ex-girlfriend in a Phoenix suburb was found on Saturday near Flagstaff in northern Arizona. This is just crossing. Police have probable cause to arrest 37-year-old Charles Hager on suspicion of murder and aggravated assault in the fatal shooting Friday, said Sergeant Ben Hoster of the Scottsdale Police Department. Uh, the victim's identity was not released. The vehicle was discovered near Flagstaff. Hager is still outstanding. We are coordinating with law enforcement. So there's a crazy story out of nowhere. Awful. Yeah, yeah, that's a left turn. But, yeah, I do remember Charlie Hager. That's an awful story. Yeah. All right, so two questions for you, Gub, before you go here. Uh, number one, who DHs for the Sox in 2021, if you had to guess? Is it Andrew Vaughn out of nowhere, or what do you think? Can I tell you what I would have done, and maybe it helps answer the question, what I would have done in 2020 is I would have brought Garrett Crochet and Andrew Vaughn up together. I would have DFA'd Edwin, even though I know he was good in the clubhouse. 
and I would have used the exact same time to know whether or not Eric Rochet is ready for a playoff run, to know whether or not Andrew Vaughn was too. And I would have liked to have seen him play those last seven, eight, nine, ten games. Right now, I think it's probably in-house. The White Sox have had an awful time trying to figure out the DH slot for a number of years, pretty much since Jim Tomey, and it just hasn't worked. And, look, I I thought Edwin Aaron Canacion was a great sign. I thought he was uh, – you were taking a flyer on the guy with 415 career home runs or whatever it was, and he just – I mean, look, this season was extremely weird. I think a lot of people forget how hard it really was to actually pull off for the players, and I'm not making excuses. His bat looked slow most of the year. He didn't catch up to a lot of fastballs. Edwin Arcanacion, I don't see any any scenario where he would return in 2021, and that option, I believe, is $12 million. You know, there's an interesting name out there. He's going to cost you a lot of money, but you've been playing against him for a number of years, and it's Nelson Cruz. But I think uh, – I just feel like the money they – I'd rather use that money on somebody like Trevor Bauer, but – I would be surprised if they were to go out and, and add another big name for DH. So my, my vote right now, 180 days from opening day, would be in-house. Yep, and it could. I, I guess you're not thinking that uh, James McCann will be back, but it could be a whole lot of Yasmani Grandal if they go that route, which would be interesting, depending on the market for James McCann. Do you think he's going to get, a, I don't know, call it, I don't know, big-time money seems too strong, but significant mm-hmm. money to be an everyday catcher somewhere? I think he's going to get a multi-year deal for eight to ten a year, and I just think it's—I would like—I don't think there's a person that's covered the White Sox or a fan that wouldn't love to camp back. I just don't know. Do you have eighteen to twenty-five million invested in a backup catcher? I don't know. That sounds like a lot of money to me. His splits of the DH are not great either. Grandals, you you pay Grandall seventy-three million to be one of the guys, and you know. You get, look, James McCann has been everything you'd want him to be and more. The best $2.1 million, I think, one-year deal that, that Rick Hahn may have come across because what he did to Giolito in that relationship, and he may have even helped get Dallas Keuchel here. They were college teammates. I would love a scenario 180 days from now that James McCann's walking into Glendale but uh, or walking into Chicago. Um, I Just as of right now, it's... I, I just don't see that being their number one priority. They can't trade Yasmani right and sign McCann. That's just not even possible. Eighteen million a year. I don't think so. I mean, are you admitting a mistake at that point too? Like, I don't, sure, seems, sure. I, You're you not. Know, no, one's, no one's perfect. I'm, I've, yeah, you know, it's it's sixty games it, today. You got. I don't know. It's a weird season. Um, look, it doesn't mean Jason McCann won't be back. But I, he wants to play every day, and it's and, and he deserves to. So. I think he's going to go out there and look at now whether it's playing for a team like um, you know a team that's going through a rebuild. You know, do you want to play in, in Texas uh, for money, or do you want to play with a contender for you know five to ten million dollars less and, and win? I, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what James is looking for, but I know I, he wants to play and he deserves to. He deserves to get paid too, to be honest with you. He does, and just thinking about weird scenarios, if we just keep it to Chicago, like I don't know, Cubs are going to tear down their team, maybe. Maybe they trade yeah. Wilson Contreras. Now you need a catcher. If I'm the, that'd be an interesting guy to bring in. I mean, anything's possible. I don't, you know. Uh, the any any baseball any team that brings in James McCann is, is going to feel really good about it. Uh, there's just, yeah. there's no, I mean, he's the the first guy to answer questions after game three. Right. The first guy at the podium was James McCann, which Chuck and I were talking. And we just found found that very interesting. That the guy, the first guy to answer questions is the guy who's a pending free agent, but it tells you a lot about McCann and the respect that he has in the clubhouse. I got two minutes, Guff. Thoughts on the closer? 
Uh, you know, I, I just assumed Calamay would be gone. Um, I don't think he's necessarily gone. I think he's a guy that you would love to have back, but it has to be under your conditions. So, you know, I think he was around ten and a half this year. Uh, he was phenomenal, one of the most underrated players on the team, and certainly in all of baseball. I think this year in the back end of a bullpen, he doesn't blow you away with overpowering stuff, but he gets you out and, and he it keeps guys off balance. But you do have a number of guys in that bullpen, specifically young guys, that answered a lot of questions and may have made you feel pretty good about their status as future back-end guys. You know, Cody Hoyer certainly jumps off the page to me as a possible future closer. Do you want to just anoint him in year two? I don't know. I mean, the one thing you know about McCollumay is that he gets guys out and he likes pitching in the ninth inning. But again, he's not going to be a guy you lock up for two or three years at $12 million a year. So I think... They're gonna they're gonna kick the tires on these guys, but they have to be they can't be priority number one. Yeah, Guff, great stuff. Appreciate you all season long. You know, I'm here, man. 180 days isn't that long. I hope. I hope it's not. God, I hope it's not. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> thanks, you, brother. Buddy. Yep, thanks, Ryan. All right, man. Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, Ron, I got one minute, but you're there. I want to get you in. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, hey, it was uh, it was a great season. Sorry, we had to see it end that way. Me but, too. Uh, I'll be back next year. I'll be back with a vengeance. You know, they they got a chip on their shoulder. Maybe it's going to be like the uh, 84 Bears when they lost to Frisco. That's a great, you know? Yeah, that's a that's awesome. Hey, Ron, thanks for hanging in, all right? Okay, sure. Appreciate you. Yeah, 84, the Bears won in the playoffs and beat the Redskins, then got killed by the Niners, and then won the, won the Super Bowl the next year. Love that reference there, Ron.